0: Welcome to On Air with Kate Butler, where we are revealing life's best kept secrets. Welcome back to On Air with Kate Butler as we dig into revealing life's best kept secrets. Uh, I am here today with a very, very special guest who is absolutely near and dear to my heart. I am so excited and so thrilled to be having this conversation today Uh, We're going to dive right in, but first allow me, please, if you would, to introduce this phenomenal woman as president of the Canfield Training Group. Patty Aubrey has not only overseen the growth of publishing industry's first get this, billion-dollar brand, Chicken Soup for the Soul. But yes, there's more. She's also created a multi-million-dollar training company around the success principles of author Jack Canfield. She is also herself a number one New York Times best-selling author, and she is now dedicated to bringing her experience, the plethora of experience that she has, to women entrepreneurs, Sales professionals and corporate employees through her live events, retreats, summits, and speaking engagements. Patty, we are here today to dig into the real juicy game changing stuff. So I'm going to kick it right off and ask you have you ever had a game changing moment in your life and would you be willing to share it?
1: Sure. <laughs> I've had a few. I'm old. <laughs> Gosh, okay, so I think probably one of the biggest game-changing moments for me was realizing that if you're gonna build a business and a brand and a family all at the same time, that you sort of have to compartmentalize when and where you're gonna do it. And so for me, growing up and trying to build Chicken Soup for the Soul from the very beginning, you know, we really had to struggle for about the first five years and we were basically broke. So uh, we just did whatever we could and we worked a lot. And then we started to get a lot of success. You know, it's like kind of that tipping point where you get to this place and suddenly everything just starts to hit. We get one New York Times bestseller. We get another one. I write my first book. I write my second book, which was Chicken Soup for the Christian Soul, which went crazy. And I remember being on my publisher's private jet and I was flying to a book signing as a number one New York Times bestselling author. And I was miserable. I was on the plane feeling so crappy. I felt like I should be at home. And and I, and I and, and then of course, as you probably know, and so many women, when you're at home, you feel like you should be at work. But here I am on a private jet and it doesn't get much better than that, right? Yep. <laughs> if I only knew then <laughs> yeah. what it was like. And, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm feeling so bad. And then in that moment, I just went, wait a second. You are here now, be here now, enjoy this moment, give it your all, celebrate your success. When you go home, be in that moment then for your children, but you can't be there for them now. So stop it and stop beating yourself up for what you can't, we, we can't be two things at the same time, right? We can't be in both places at once, at least not yet. Yeah. And so for me, that was like a big moment of the gift is really in the presence and where you are present in that moment to make sure that you enjoy it, that you celebrate it, and that you are fully there to experience it. Because if you don't, your life sort of passes you by. And that was a huge thing for me to say, okay, I'm here now, I'm doing this. When I get home, I'll be there and I'll do that. And that was, that I wish I had learned 10 years sooner because I could have probably gotten a lot more done and been more present to my employees in my audiences as well as to my own kids when I was at home and to my husband. So that was that was probably one of my most defining moments ever.
0: Yeah, being present, it, it's just so critical to the success in, in what you are doing, right? And at that exact time, because if you're not fully there you're not giving hundred percent of your attention therefore how could you possibly be doing your best in any aspect, right? So such a valuable insight there. So chicken soup for the soul, um, uh, I don't know if it was called that right from the beginning. Um, but you said for five years, you weren't successful. I'm paraphrasing here. So what was going on during this first five years? I mean, so that's interesting, right? Like how, why did you continue to work on it? How did you know? Did you know it was going to work? How did you know it was going to work? Tell me about five years is a long time to be working on something that is not yielding results. Can you talk to that a little bit?
1: Well, in the beginning, we didn't have a title for the book. We had no idea. Jack just had this idea that he'd be out speaking all over the country, and he would—he always was a natural storyteller and kind of aggregating content. And his belief was stories sort of velcro your point. And so it was always about the stories. And at the end of the different, you know, conventions or talks that he would do, a lot of especially women would come up and say, "That story that you told on stage, you have that in a book." And he kept saying, "No, it's on my." Audio cassette tapes. That's how long ago it was. Sure, sure. <laughs> Nightingale Conan, you know, was our friend, and um, and then at some point he we went, oh my gosh, you know what? I, I I've heard this a thousand times. I think we're supposed to put these stories in a book, and so the time we were just teaching teachers how to facilitate self-esteem in the classroom. That was our main thing, okay. and our company was called Self-Esteem Seminars, and we taught teachers on how to use basically the success principles today in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, so this book idea was like a lot of other people, what they would call today a side hustle, which at that point that word didn't really even exist, but we thought, all right, let's 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 just put this book together. And so we spent, I would say from 1989 to 1992, just rewriting, rewriting, editing, editing every story, five, six, seven times, putting it out to a panel, having them grade every story on a scale of one to 10. 10 being the best, how would you do this? And we, we wanted it to be 10s across the board. Yeah. And so it took a lot of time to get it right at first. And as naive authors, we thought, okay, we'll just do it. And then we'll get an agent, we'll get published. And, and then we got an agent and our agent came back about, I don't know, several months later and said, nobody wants to talk about this. Uh, the publishing industry said, America loves blood and guts and they don't like this nicey nice stuff and there's no room for it. And so he gave us the book back. And so then we thought, all right, so what do we have to do? And so we, Jack, Mark, Victor Hansen, and I sat down together and said, all right, let's just print out manuscripts. We'll give them out to everybody we know. And they said, well, there's a book show that's local. It's in LA. It used to be called book expo of America. Mm -hmm. And we went down there and I would print up copies and stuff them in their backpacks and they'd go out and talk to every publisher and um, still Nobody wanted the book. We didn't know. Like, oh, wait, get a book advance first. Make sure somebody even cares, you know? <laughs> and so we just didn't know. But right. we did we did know that the, the stories had been so well received. We had tons of social proof, which is so important to have. So it kept us going. We knew we had something, yep. but we just didn't have any idea of what it would look like when or if it would stick. Amazing. And so- so when we finally got a publisher, you know, things started to work, thank God. But the funny thing is, is that we we knew one person that had a booth at the entire expo. And this is huge back then. I mean, this is when all the bookstores were huge. There was no Amazon, nothing like that. And so everything was through a publishing house. And this guy, Peter Vegso, who owned a small recovery company said, hey, if you guys want to park your stuff here I'll be like your little hub. You can stick it behind the booth, come back and get your manuscripts and go back out and and give them out to other people. And at the end of that conference with a whole lot of no's um, Jack was literally walking out of the convention and so was Peter Bexo who owned Health Communications. And he said, hey Jack, you know if you want, I'll publish your book. And Jack said, oh you know we really we really wanted a publisher that really cared about the book. And he said, well why don't you give me a copy? Let me read it. And so he said, all right. So he gave him one of our last manuscripts and he got to the airport and started reading through it and, you know, was crying after the third story and said, oh my gosh, I love this book. And it turns out that he ended up publishing the book. And, um, and I didn't know that story, Kate, until about Four years ago or so, we were we were recording, we were doing a documentary on Jack's life called The Soul of Success. Mm-hmm. And Peter told that story. I didn't even know that story. And wow. thought, how ironic is it that almost always the answer is right in front of our face? Absolutely. But we are so busy being busy, we don't notice. Yes. And so here was this guy who's like just doing a good thing and, you know, I don't know. A billion dollars later, <laughs> it was like the best thing he ever did. I have no idea, um, but that's kind of how it all started. And it was a very small publishing house, which a lot of people would think is a bad thing, but it was such a blessing because we had so much editorial rights. We had we got to have a ton of input. We were speaking to the owner of the entire company. He yeah. did everything from editorial to publishing to distribution to I mean printing the whole nine yards. It was. From soup to nuts, basically, is what I say. And so it turned out to be the best deal ever. And um, it turned out to be an 18-year relationship that, um, you know, to this day, we're still very, very dear friends. So I'm really grateful that he was the one who decided to choose us. It's kind of probably in the cards, you know, the universe probably knew before we did. Absolutely.
0: I believe that a hundred percent. Um, and that's something that you do really well, Patty, is that you, you are able to help people see what is actually right in front of them. And for some people have been in front of them the entire time. Right. Um, you know, you being like this ultimate connector that you are, you're the ultimate connector of people, but you're also the ultimate connector of opportunity and, um, the ultimate connector of, uh, awareness, right? Like, have you considered this option or, you know, this option is right in front of you or, you know, call this person, um, you know, for X, Y, and Z, right? So you're very good at that. It's interesting that that lesson was something that you learned in the very beginning, right? I mean, may not have had an awareness to until later on, but it is something that I feel like you're innately brilliant at. And interesting how that was uh, woven into one of you know, your great successes in your life as well. Um, So what is the best kept secret that you have learned in your life? Maybe not business related, but maybe it is.
1: The best kept secret, gosh. Uh, Never burn a bridge. Mm. You never know when, you know, I I think relationship capital is more important than any monetary amount of capital that you could ever have. I think relationships are just really, Probably the the biggest thing I learned that at a very young age. My father was in sales, and he always he that was the thing for him. It's like don't ever burn a bridge, and it's not always what you know. It's who you know. So make sure you honor your relationships, and that you always reciprocate. And so you're not just an asker. You know, you're always asking, how can I serve you as well? Yeah. And so I uh, I don't know. Maybe that part of me was innate. The rest of me of kind of figuring out over time and connecting the dots came later. Because when, when we did get the book published, they said, okay, now how are you going to market it? I didn't even really know what the word marketing meant. I came from an operations and technical background. So I was like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, go from your left brain to your right brain as quickly as you possibly can and switch back and forth all the time too. So, um, Yeah, it it was definitely, uh, that's probably one of the biggest things for me. So really what brilliant. is
0: next for Patty Aubrey? What are you working on right now? What are you excited about? How can people find you and work with you? Tell, tell me a little bit about what you're up to.
1: Well, you know, because you co-authored the book permission granted with me. So I think the biggest thing for me is really, um, I'm on a mission to make sure that women stand up, speak up and show up for themselves and not wait for somebody else to say, Hey, there you are on the corner. You know, I was really good at sort of being the wizard of Oz behind the curtain. And I was managing this multi, you know, million dollar, if not billion dollar at one time organization, but always sort of gave the credit away to Jack Canfield and Mark Johansson because they were the people on that stage. But really it took all of us together along with Mark's wife, Patty at the time, two Patties, Patty squared, we used to say, (laughs) and we really... Sat down together and built this business out, um, and and so, you know, as women, I think we're just nurturers. We want to help. We're mothers. We we want to cheer people on, and, and I did that my whole life. It was like, mm-hmm. come on, Jack, you can do this. Don't worry. You know, even when he would get nervous, sure, because he he's yeah. in, he's an introvert by nature. You know, is situational extrovert, and so to go from cheering him on to then realizing I had to cheer myself on, yeah, and what how important that role was to be that cheerleader. And so how could I then be a cheerleader for more people, especially for women, because I needed it and I didn't really have it, but I didn't ask for it. And I sort of assumed that maybe the roles would reverse and Jack and Mark would cheerlead me, but they were busy kind of cheerleading the world. And so if it was meant to be, it was kind of up to me. And so I just, I'm really passionate about watching women step into their power and really get how much of an impact they can make in the world. If they own their voice, if they bust through those limiting beliefs of I didn't go to that school, that person's smarter. Why should I get this? Why, you know, do I deserve that? And am I being selfish? And "Is this narcissistic and all the things that we come up against whenever we get to a new place of what's next. Mm. And so a lot of it, you know, of course you have to have skills, but there, so much of it is mindset. And so for me, I'm sort of that person that uh, likes to help people break through to that next level for their own mindset to get them to where they wanna go.
0: And and it, this is something you're so brilliant at. And so where does this come from? Where does this idea of, um, you know, like literally breaking through, uh, blasting through, conquering through limiting beliefs, right? Believing that, you know, regardless of what obstacles are in your way like it's it's you know there you absolutely are going to go out and do it right like you can create anything that you want or you know these enormous visions you know as i would describe them that you have right for yourself for for other people for your clients where does this come from within you that you are just such a visionary and you know truly see possibility uh where most people cannot
1: Well, I I guess I would say that probably as even a small child, I was sort of like that. I was always daydreaming in class and getting in trouble for it. (laughs) I used to get in trouble for daydreaming and now I get paid for it. So, you know, and I I had a lot of learning disabilities. So I struggled in school. I wasn't a great student. Um, I didn't go to the number one college, you know, so I, I... I knew that I wasn't the smartest kid in the class, but I also would bring all the kids over after school and say, hey, my mom's going to make grilled cheese and you know chips or whatever. Come on over. We'll talk about the homework because I had no idea what the homework was because I probably wasn't listening or I just didn't hear it. <laughs> and so I'd assemble all these really bright kids and I'd bring them over and then I'd have them regurgitate to me again what the homework was. And so I was sort of running these mini mastermind groups, probably in third grade and just didn't know what they were. So sort of my ability is to bring people together to, to really talk it out and, um, and to see what's possible. And, And I think also just, I was always very curious and I, I really can see genius in people and so often we can't see in ourselves what others see in us. And I just think it's fun. So if you say I have a problem, I'm like, what's your problem? There's always <laughs> an opportunity here, you know? There's always a possibility and a problem. And so, I don't know, growing up in the oldest girl in the family and always having to be the problem solver with two younger sisters and a completely ADD brother, I have no idea where it started. But if you said 30 years ago, do you see yourself here or maybe a little bit longer, I would have said no. <laughs> <laughs> no way! What are you crazy? I said to my father at one point I was in high school, and he said, "You need to take typing." Said, There's no one taking typing. All oh, the secretary to do my typing. He's he was like adamant that I took typing. Thank <laughs> God I took typing because <laughs> I ended up typing several hundred books over my lifetime. You know, um, so you just never know. But I I was just not one to um, really, I wasn't a rule follower. I needed to be in my own space. I wasn't going to work well in a consistent environment. I felt bad about that all the time. I should be like everybody else. And over the years, I just figured out how to sort of monetize my crazy and help other people create, you know, their futures by doing so. So what was the best investment you have made in yourself, um, over
0: your like career development?
1: Gosh, uh, the best, I I think just in education and learning, not school education, but really investing in doing this work. You know, I joke a lot when I feel like I'm not in alignment and I I tell people all the time I've told you, you know, my podcast will be take my advice. I'm not using it because I'm not always using it. But I think that immersing myself in the foundation of the success principles that Jack's taught for the last 40 something or 50 years, yes. and me having been in that environment for the last 31 years, allowed me to start to take responsibility for my life, start to look at clarifying my vision, looking right. at what did I want, not to not looking at what did somebody else want for me, but what did I want for me, and then how to ask for what I needed to get to where I wanted to go. And so by having to do the work, not just read about it in a book, but actually execute it. Mm-hmm. And that happened a lot with chicken soup when we started to market it. I mean, I had to ask, ask, ask. I mean, I was out there selling and hawking books at flea markets and nail salons and all over the place. So I had to get past that shyness or that judgment of what people would think about me because there was a lot of it. I mean, most of my friends i had lost my mind they all had corporate jobs. I'm like, you're nuts. you know. Um, but I think by following just my inner guidance, really my intuitive side of myself, um, it wasn't the job that was going to make me the most money when I said yes, by any means, but it just felt like the right thing to do. And it was, I mean, I've learned hundreds of years of lessons in three decades. And, and I joked with my father when I said, I'm going to work for this guy that's in self-help. And he was like, you know, and I was like, "Well, damn! It. I went to Harvard. Maybe I'll get a Harvard education for free." And I did on lots of levels. So, um, you know, I'm here I am today, and on a mission to give other women permission to do whatever it is, whether it's stay at home or build a business or figure out what their strategy needs to be, where their weaknesses are, where their weaknesses are, where their strengths are, and and focus on your strengths because everybody has weaknesses. It's more about putting the puzzle together with the right team and having a really clear vision and then being able to enroll people in that vision. And then the rest is pretty easy and scalable because you're doing what you're put on the planet to do. You know, and that's, that's what kept me going really mm. was just having that and watching people's lives change, you know, and that's that's the most amazing thing that anybody can ever do, I think, is to be part of somebody's self being part of someone else's life becoming better.
0: Yes. That is so beautifully said. And so if I am someone who says, yes, I'm subscribing to that. Yes. I need to be a part of that world. They can work with you in what capacities right now. You mentioned permission granted as a book, but I understand this is also a program, right? Mm -hmm. So they can, um, uh, Go to pattyaubrey.com they can look up for mission at the program they can also work with you one-on-one i believe is that right are you currently taking on new clients
1: i'm taking on a few new clients strat- like strategic clients So i do a okay. lot of- yesterday i did a day of strategic planning which was really fun and great yeah. to see someone's whole life come together uh, i do a lot of mastermind groups so if women are looking for other women looking for that tribe It's a great place to come. But if you just go to pattyarbury.com, it shows you all the different ways that you can work with me. Amazing. all you have to do is say, contact me and put in your name and your email and me or one of my team members will contact you and figure out exactly what you need. And the cool thing is lots of times it may not be me, but if it's not me, I'll know who it is. And that's the other fun piece of this puzzle is having access to the Transformational Leadership Council and all of these other people that are in our world of self-help, whether it's you for publishing or Marcy Shymoff for helping with miracles or Lisa Nichols of really honing your speaking skills or whatever it might be. Um, I like to help get you on that right train. So you get off at the right stop because there's a lot of stops in this world. And a lot of them aren't necessarily maybe where you should stop, but you just don't know because you're new.
0: Absolutely. And something else you said in here was like, when you get to that, the um, next to the point where it's the next in your life, right. Or that next step, right. So there's going to be a lot of those in our life as we continue to evolve and get levels of success, right. Looking at what's next in our life doesn't mean that anything was wrong or bad, or that we ended up in in a place that wasn't where we were supposed to be. It's actually exactly where we're supposed to be. And we're always going to be at a point where when we're growing on this journey, we're like, okay, now we're ready to get to that next level, right? And then we're going to go through it all again, the growth, right? And the weaknesses and the successes and the pains and the wins and all of that, right? Through each level of growth. And then you're going to get to a point where you say, what's next yet again, right? And this is where you are so beautiful and brilliant at coming in. This is where you came into my life, where I was at a point where I had had achieved success in corporate and I had achieved success, you know, monetarily and with my family and everything else, but I was at a what's next, right? Like what's next point in my life. Um, and that was just so beautiful how not only you could come up with this vision, right? Um, but also here's people that can help you. Here's how I can help you, right? Like you said. Um, adding that, uh, nurturing that relationship, adding that value, right? Um, And if it's not you, who else can it be? Um, You just have such a beautiful way of doing this. So any person out there, any woman out there, I know Patty is just the biggest cheerleader of women looking to really stand in their power, um, speak their voice, live their mission in life. If you're looking for the number one cheerleader on the face of the planet, (laughs) um this brilliant beautiful connector and this beautiful brilliant business mind definitely check out PattyAubrey.com. she is a game changer on herself she is a life changer if she's not in your world you are going to want to get her in your world so i want to thank everyone so much for listening today this has been a really special episode for me because Patty was a huge game changer in my life. And I know she'll be the same for you. So thank you so much for being here, Patty, And thank you everyone for listening today. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today. I would love to connect with you on social and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Kate Butler Books. If you're interested in accessing some life-changing tools and techniques, you can grab those right off of the homepage of my website for free. And that is katebutlerbooks.com. And you can always check back here to download new episodes from our podcast right here where you listen today. Until next time, thank you for making this world a better place just by being you.